So we've given ourselves Trump derangement syndrome. I definitely think Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s worst act against humanity was working with children's health. And Vivek Ramaswamy is Indian. So does that mean there are no options for who will vote for in the 2024 election? Well, not quite. Fortunately for us, there's a candidate that will actually take down the deep state. Promise. I know this to be the case because Ron DeSantis has just announced his presidential bid. Will he win? Will he challenge the establishment rule and be a champion of liberty? Let's find out. Hey everyone, welcome to Civil Offense. My name is Ahmed Mali. Today we'll be continuing what we started last episode by discussing the 2024 election further, specifically DeSantis's campaign. I'm here with Goon Cave enthusiast Garen Jones. How you doing, Garen? Um, I am <laughs> uh, I'm doing pretty good. How about you? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing fine myself. You know, uh, how have you been since last episode? How what have you been up to? Um, I've been doing good. Uh not doing not doing a whole lot um just had a really nice lunch with my mom yesterday and it was pretty great so nice that's good to hear. But, <laughs> but, not, but really not much not much else going on that's important okay. or relevant to the show but <laughs> yeah well that's all right uh um, but anyway, some announcements oh yeah I, I guess i should talk about myself i don't know i've been all right you know uh doing e-commerce stuff now and all that just uh in that business so you know I'll see, I'll go somewhere maybe with that. Hopefully, you know, just, uh, work on some marketing, but anyway, some announcements for today, go to ahmedmali.com and sign up for my email list for the latest updates. Check out civil offense on rumble, Apple podcasts, Spotify, and Google podcasts. And we have a discord now. <laughs> this is catastrophic to the, to the, uh, world of civil offense. Uh, there, there's going to be awesome. a lot of worlds colliding on this. It, it may be something catastrophic again, but I will link it in the description for you to be at. Uh, so, you know, my loyal subscribers, please check out the discord. It's, it's pretty fun. What we talk about, we get a little goofy in there. I don't know. But anyway, uh, remember to like comment and share the show. So the campaign launch DeSantis is seen by many Trump supporters as a disaster, right? Okay. So, uh, it, oh, it happened it. on Twitter. Spaces that was of, awful. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, that's what Tim pool said, but, uh, I don't know where he got that from, but, uh, <laughs> it started with his campaign announcement and campaign ad. And then he went on the Twitter spaces with Elon Musk to talk about his campaign. He was saying, Oh, you know, the woke agenda and all that in, in schools, you know, I need to take this to a national level. We need to figure out what's going on in the swamp and all that. Right. All those things. Uh, so yeah, Tim pool was one of the first reactions I watched to a lot of this. And, uh, he said, you know, well today he sounds a lot more like any media outlet to me these days, but um, he was criticizing DeSantis's low energy and saying that it makes Trump look like the better candidate. I was even watching his uh, like a clip from his show in which he was saying, oh, well, you know, they're basically selling us the same thing. Like they're selling, they're trying to sell the same policy to voters. It's just Trump's the more enthusiastic one. Trump's the one that can come to the voters and be that really good salesman and say, here's what we have. It's spectacular. You want this, you want this. And DeSantis is like, well, here, here are the uh, specifications of the product you're looking at, right? So they're, they're basically saying, oh, Trump and DeSantis are giving you the exact same thing. So they're, but we just like the way this guy talks better. Well, I think like what's most incredible is is just to the extent that I think that people 
like haven't realized yet that all of this is literally just like a giant soap opera that this basically is is essentially just just one giant episode of Downton Abbey where um you know you have all you have all this drama you have all these you know political actors and again like sort of how we talked about on last sh- on the last show like all of these people are literally just actors um they're not um like they don't have any bearing on how the state functions. They don't have any bearing on how the state operates. They're essentially just—they're all political propagandists trying to get you to think that, um, like politics and their campaign really matters. But their campaign literally doesn't matter. Um, and you know we we've talked about this about this last episode, but like, I don't know this this notion that um you know that ideology that you know um someone's own personal you know ideology somehow controls the dictates of you know how the state runs or how the state operates um you know the state's ultimately at the end of the day a technical firm um it's an economic firm at the end of the day and it needs certain 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 things in order to you know in order for it to sustain itself um it needs an optimal tax structure it needs um it needs certain military in- um interventions um it needs um specific banking policies at given times and so you know if the state was somehow subject to ideology um the state just wouldn't be able to run um because the policies would be too different or too difficult for um or too like radically different for you know for essentially the government to coordinate around um and i think it's just um this sort of goes back to what we talked about earlier about basically um all of these campaign you know all these people in these campaigns are essentially just political actors um you know essentially just putting on a show for you and and basically and pretty much everyone's you know everyone's buying into it you know And this is, again, yeah, something we talked about last episode. Make sure to check that out. We talked about Trump's plan to dismantle the deep state. You know, he was laying out a plan of these policies that he'd put in, which pretty much just means firing some people that he doesn't agree with. And then, but on top of that, it's like, okay, you know, it's the people that you guys don't like, right? All those like bureaucrats that you guys think are are, like on the left and all that. But then, you know, I'm actually just going to kind of keep a lot of that that in place and just make sure we're moving the state around. Like we're going to put things in different locations to you know, make it seem like we're not the same thing anymore and kind of just, you know, I'll dismantle it for you by creating a board that'll look at all our information, make sure we sort it out perfectly for you guys and that there's no lies going on, right? You know, you guys trust me, right? Uh, We talked about Vivek Ramaswamy and how he's like, oh, well, you know, we'll abolish the FBI and the Department of Education and the IRS and we'll we'll rebuild where we need to. You know, if if there's some capacity that the government needs, we'll bring that right back. And then you have RFK and he's like, oh, well, you know, the CIA is kind of corrupt. You know, like they, they kill my uncle and all that. Um, but, you know, like, well, we kind of do need the government to do certain things. Like I've heard he's pro like gun control. I, I don't know. I've, I've heard these things uh, like, yeah, he's anti-vaccine mandate, but then also like he's in favor of climate control and all that. So, you know, it's it's really just kind of like, you know, the, the vaccine isn't even a huge issue anymore. So what does it even matter that he's, you know, not pro mandate or anything? It's, you know, if anything, it's it kind of seems like maybe the state might actually push for for more climate control sooner than anything so it kind of seems like he aligns with their goals anyway well i think i think like 
part of the main problem is sort of the way that we use language in a way that like you know even yourself use use this idea of um well well i support x y and z policy i support this climate policy i support this tax rate um you know and you can you know i i you can wholeheartedly support any you know policy that you want um but i think what that kind of language implies is that is that your your own individual preferences um once you get into office are somehow going to be the ends that the state will pursue oh well here's my platform here's what i'm going to do x y and z um but once that politician gets in office um the politician is basically is basically nothing more than a mere nothing more than a mere technician at the end of the day um or will politicians at the end of the day are bound by technicians or um what Jacques Ellul called technique, and we can get into you know because I, I wanted to bring up Ellul's theories with you. Um, he was a he was a libertarian philosopher um, back during the fifties, but we can we can bring that up at a later time. Um, but essentially, like politicians at the end of the day are basically just technical technical scientists. Um, they're not looking toward um, you know when they're when they're you know, acting as an agent of the government, they're not looking toward, um, oh, what what are my own personal ideologies? Um, and this has a bearing on how I run the state. Well, no, your job is to run the government most efficiently. And it doesn't really matter, you know, whatever ideology that you have isn't going to be subject to that. So the question there is kind of like, what's the relation between what they say in the campaign versus what they do when they're an agent of the state? So like Mm -hmm. it it sometimes lines up and I would suggest that it, um, if anything, would say like, okay, the person that most aligns with what the goal of the state is at the current moment is the one that gets selected because they already have that goal in mind of saying, I want these policies. It's not that they're necessarily enacting their entire agenda. It's just kind of like they're the ones that are going to align most uh, certainly with the with the things you know that are wanted and therefore they're going to be the ones that'll most easily pass it without any hesitation yeah i mean sometimes like the uh the politicians you know own you know own personal like agenda platform um sometimes that correlates with the policies of the state but i think like as we've like as most people pointed out it's like oh oh politicians are liars they you know they promise a bunch of things and then they get into office and don't do any of them well, like, have you ever wondered why that is? Like, maybe, like, what that would sh- what that would show to me is that maybe ideology isn't the basis for how the state functions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I- I'm just, you know, kind of wondering how the person interacts in that situation. Like, yeah, they're kind of there just to pass the state's policy, but at the same time, you know, yeah, they're liars and all that, but like, they have personal beliefs, obviously, right? And I know that's something we've talked about here before, but I'm just kind of saying like somebody that doesn't align with that necessarily may be an issue. Like if they're in that position, not necessarily that they won't get the policy passed, but it just may be, it may cause friction. Uh, I mean, not really. They can, you know, they can propagate like politicians at the end of the day can propagate their platform and their ideology with pretty much any kind of impunity. And it, it essentially is basically this giant card trick. Um, It's basically like politicians, um, promoting their platform are is basically the political equivalent of like the magician's hot assistant. It's to mm-hmm. draw your attention away from the actual policies that the state is, 
you know, doing and performing. Um, be- because essentially, people can ignore what the state's actually doing and just look at the platform that the politician, you know, so, so for example, Biden will say, here's my democratic platform. Um, here's what my policies are. And so people automatically think due to, you know, obviously, you know, decades of ingrained propaganda, mm-hmm. you know, through the, through government schools, because government schools have taught that that's how the state functions. It's an ideological entity, um, not a technical one. Um, essentially, that people look at the platform and think, oh, yeah, those are the those are because my guy is in office and that's his platform. That's necessarily what the state is doing. But it, but it, but if you actually separate the two and look at the actual policies that the state performs, um, they're actually pretty relatively hegemonic, no matter who's in office. And you know, and this is obviously pointed out by a lot of people. Oh, both parties are the same. Well, all po- all political parties are the same. So this could include the Libertarian Party, uh, the Green Party, like any political party that the state could come up with. Um, no matter who you elect, they're going to ena- enact basically the same exact policies. And, you know, it's, it's, that's really hard for a lot of people to believe. But if you look at, like, the really core policies that are crucial to the state, um, like the money, like money printer go burr would be a great example of this, right? Um, you know, a lot of people try to blame, like, the Biden administration for being this inflationary administration. But really, the the, the the policies of inflation are run by the are are run by the by the Fed and the Treasury. Like the like the president, besides appointing the Federal Reserve chairman, um, has nothing to do with the inflationary policies. And the you know um, uh, what's his name? Um, okay, so I, I um, do want to ask you like, pa- like let, yeah. let me just let me say. Yeah. So you've said like when technolo- technological advances cause problems for the state to the point where it, it kind of needs to survive, it's going to push the Libertarian mm-hmm. Party specifically, right? So I mean, like what I'm saying is like it'll push something that you know at face value is ideological but it actually it needs that sort of policies to subsist itself i'm kind of like applying that to candidates in a sense and saying oh this candidate says this that and the other so i mean if it aligns with the state's values at the time it's gonna like say okay this is the person that's gonna be picked so that you know not just so that we can do this but so that this is what we're showing as our front-facing values while we can do that in the background yeah exactly so like what my point with that was like when when saying RFK like oh he's not pro like you know mandate or anything what does that matter at this point like I'm not necessarily saying he could do anything about it but what my point is is like kind of the state if anything is going to focus more on climate than you know vaccination mandates at this point so it kind of makes sense if they were to pick a guy like that with that platform that they'd say like okay well it makes sense we want our front facing values to be it doesn't matter about the vaccine but then it actually does matter what we think about climate control yeah, well, you'll often find is that like a lot of the policies that the government like undertakes, um, like depending on who's in like who is in the administration, like the media will tend to focus on like the pol- like the policies that that political party is, you know, quote unquote, in favor of or like, quote unquote, mm-hmm. promotes. So like the by like so so the Biden administration um, like uses the ideology of climate change as a pretext for its own um you know its own functions so the media will focus on you know the biden's climate policies um you you know where whereas like uh, whereas you know policies that might actually be the exact same like under the trump administration um 
the like the media won't even focus on. But for example, and, like the the during Trump, the Paris Climate Accords, like the U.S. wasn't in that. But then during Biden, now it is right. And mm-hmm. I, my point with that is, is like, okay, yeah, the Democrat and the Republican parties are working for the same end goal. But if the state is pushing the Democrat Party more, wouldn't it make sense that it's trying to push the more economically progressive uh, social pol- or uh, economic or social policy? Uh, but if it's picking the Republican Party, it's more so trying to pull back a little bit for certain reasons. Yeah, I can see that. And and yeah, this was actually something that like Konkin talked about too in a lot of his lectures. Um, that essentially like the two original um like the two original political parties after the like the French Revolution um were the, you know, classical liberals and the conservatives, you know. Um the uh you know, the conservatives were, you know, the and conservative and to clarify, like using conservative in the term of like um, you know, the monarchies in Europe at the time, you know, as contrasted to like the um the like the democratic classical liberals like um like uh like the founding fathers, for instance. Um basically there there have always been two um not not ideologies, but like methods of operating the state. Um you had the you know, you had like the conservatives who were who were basically let's spend, spend, spend now. Let's tax, tax, tax now. Let's expand, expand, expand. Um, you know, whereas classical liberalism was essentially no. Let's actually hold back. Let's hold back on the plundering. Let's hold back on the you know, uh, raping, pillaging. Um, let's um, you know, let's actually hold back so we can let the economy you know expand a bit. So that way later on we can plunder a lot more you know so you know the so and and his point with that was that the state isn't you know isn't subject to the actual ideological whims of the politicians um it's subject to whatever is most efficient for the government to operate and and honestly if you look at like any business or like any you know giant corporation um you can apply this exact same reasoning you know um does Jeff Bezos manage his company on, you know, ideology? Um, I'd argue no. Um, you know, obviously, if, you know, you could say to some extent, you know, if if the country or if the, you know, the company, you know, if if we're looking at like what if we're looking at like what the company needs to survive, um, you know, he might be ideologically, you know, in favor of giving all his workers you know, all these benefits. Um, but if we're looking at like what's, you know, most technically efficient for that company and what's most technically efficient for that company to run, um, the company needs to pursue certain, you know, pursue certain ends and, you know, the individual workers and the individual managers and the individual, you know, CEOs might have their own thoughts about how the company should run. But ultimately if the company isn't running at maximum efficiency, um, you know, they're basically out of a job. And it's the same thing with, with politicians too. So we really got into the meat of the subject a bit quick. But yeah. I, I was kind of like, you know, going to talk a bit more about the, you know, Ron DeSantis campaign. <laughs> We're all the way back on this, um, you know, yeah. so basically talking about the reactions to it and Dave Smith, your favorite libertarian, uh, he was <laughs> tweeting about this and he said, <laughs> 
he said, I just don't think like in referring to DeSantis's, you know, Twitter space. And this was at the same time that it was happening. So he's like, I just don't think this is the energy that has a chance to beat Trump. And then he also tweeted that. And to win the nomination, DeSantis has to win a bloodbath of war with Donald Trump. The only way DeSantis can win this war is to attack Trump where he's weakest with his base, where no one else hits him, getting rolled by the deep state. His awful appointments, particularly Fauci. What are your reactions to that? My my honest my, my honest first reactions are that like that that essentially I like the the extent the the seriousness that I take politics at this point is is essentially just like um and the seriousness that people take it is is essentially I treat it the equivalent of basically being a a D and D match a, a video game essentially. Um, or like a board game, um, yeah. We need like, uh, yeah, and, and this is then this is sort of how like a lot of people treat it, and just and you know Dave Smith, as you mentioned, is a really great example. Um, oh, like uh, here's the here's the best strategy for you know this political ca- candidate, or or it, it it's almost like hearing people argue about you know like I mentioned before, their soap opera and their favorite characters, you know, like, oh, uh, you see that episode last night of my favorite character doing X, Y, and Z? Oh, well, in order to, for my favorite character to beat the enemy or this other character, uh, they need to do X, Y, and Z, X, Y, and Z. Um, and it, you know, and, you know, they're not realizing that, you know, it really is all a, is really all a charade, charade um you know it, it really all it really all is just it, it's just D D lore it's a fantasy it's a fantasy game that they're all playing um you know this whole this whole bloodbath of politics you know i just got over 500 million power in rise of kingdoms <laughs> literally like like trump and biden are going to be doing like um doing like ads for <laughs> for world of warcraft or um other other online mobile games but with that right so like dave smith is saying that you know he wants trump to you know his strategy to be talking about well he said desantis's strategy to beat trump sorry he said it should be you know on trump getting rolled by the deep state and his awful appointments and dr fauci and all that so i mean like he's really over here asking for better propaganda he's like you know can trump or can desantis outbeat trump in the amount of propaganda that he can push to make people think that you know he'll be the guy that takes down the deep state he'll be the guy that dismantles it actually instead of trump (laughs) well yeah and this is like this is basically just your brain on politics right um it's your brain on pure ideology um like to the extent that you know you can be the most pro-liberty you know freedom-loving candidate or person that you want but at the end of the day you know getting involved in politics basically just leads you to be essentially some some uh politicians I, I don't know bootlicker at the, at the end of the day you know like oh like i'm, I'm not in favor of the, this politician um but the excuse normally levied is but um obviously uh this politician is better than is better than this politician and um you know i don't like this politician but all the other politicians are worse and you know you can start out with that mentality and saying that oh i don't really care about the politician but at the end of the day you are you're getting invested in in what they have to say um you think they're a great leader uh you think that they're this amazing person when in reality um you know you actually elect them and nothing about the character of the government changes and this would be like a great example 
um, you can point to, you know, because a lot of people, a lot of people like on in sort of the conservative sphere are like blaming Biden. Like this is Biden inflation. Um, you know, uh, Biden is the sole is the sole corrupt actor responsible for all this, all these massive price hikes. Biden inflation um, kind of sounds kinky. It does, you know. If you um, it, uh, you know, definitely, you know, if you if you're concerned about the Biden inflation rate, um, definitely go to Google and Google Biden inflation rule thirty four. <laughs> no, cause, no, yeah, that's cause the rule thirty four. Yeah, exactly. It's it's the it's the thirty fourth rule of yeah. It's the thirty fourth statute in. The... <laughs> I, I love that like a lot of the a lot of the more uh, a lot of the more older audience who isn't like millennial or Gen Z won't even get that. They'll, I mean, they'll actually up, right? try to Google that up. Yeah, no, go, well, I mean, go Google. Why wouldn't it. they? Yeah, just just go Google. Aren't it they trying to? Clear. Well, you're saying the older people are trying to be educated compared to the younger people. These young damn people on their phones all the time. I mean, they're they're always no. on this you know damn Urban Dictionary and you know Instagram. Yeah, they're, they're like they won't even look up you know Biden inflation rule thirty four. Like they're not even interested in reading the law. You know. I, I saw this really great meme the other day, and it was like, um, like, oh, all these, all these boomers on their phones, um, you know, like, like it, it was like a boomer meme, like, oh, all these, all these millennials on their phones, um, can't even look up from their screens anymore, and it was this giant pan of like a bunch of old people, uh, at casinos, you know, looking <laughs> at the giant screens, you know, tapping like, the button over and over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, you guys are so screen obsessed, but like, but like, old people can sit in front of like the TV all day and watch golf. You know. Yeah. Like no, nothing against golf. My my both my parents but um are big golfers. Yeah. And, you know, I I like them for it, but. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, so why is DeSantis running? Um. I don't know why do you, why does any politician run? You, you know, actually, what's really interesting is that, like, I think what we're seeing right now is, um, is, like, conveniently, as like as as you know, and this isn't like, you know, to to be a conspiracy theorist or whatever, but like, it, it's just it's just really convenient that like as soon as Biden's, you know, in office, you see. You, you, like you see at least three different candidates all around the same time like and they're all claiming to be anti-establishment okay so which one's right you know is is, is trump the true anti-establishment candidate is DeSantis the true anti-establishment candidate is trump the actually the secret government shill is DeSantis the secret government shill is that rfk is he the secret government shill that or, RFK. No, or no or no or no both the republicans secretly uh, part of the elite and RFK is the true, the true one to drain the swamp and the true one to break the establishment. Um, and, and I did want to make a point because I've been trying to bring up the whole inflation point, but I haven't been able to properly get through it. Um, like a great example would be, you know, us, us seeing this whole idea of, you know, Biden inflation, um, you know, Biden was the sole person uh, to be responsible for all the, all these price hikes that we're seeing right now. Um, well, no, this was a this was a trend that well, this this is a trend that like has not only continued, you know, throughout every presidency, but if we're looking at like where this trend actually started, um, guys, this was during the Trump administration. Like by the time Trump Trump left office, I think it was like oh, what, that's a 40... leftist talking point. Yeah, I know. Like I'm gonna be I'm gonna be lambasted as like a leftist show. Like oh, I'm a show for Biden. Like no, yeah, exactly. You must be supporting Biden. Biden, uh, uh, he was the one that inherited this problem. 
yeah, Unreal, but I mean, <laughs> that, that's just what. Well, that's the thing is that that's what politics does. It dichotomizes you. So if you you know if you're critical of, and and again, like this isn't even a critique of Trump. This is just to point out that like Trump's own ideology has no bearing on what the government does. Um, the government needs to money print, and so once you know COVID got started, that's what the government did. Doesn't matter if Trump, like Biden, could have been in office. Like Trump could be in office right now, and we'd be seeing the exact same inflationary policies. And this would be evidenced by the fact that we were seeing the current Biden administration inflationary policies. We saw that under the Trump administration. So that would literally imply that whether or not you're a Democrat or a Republican or an independent, your your own political platform has no bearing on what the what the government actually does politically. Yeah, I mean, this a bit of it speaks to what I said earlier. Like, I don't think that, you know, they would put Trump in again to put the inflation in, you know, at that rate. Like, it makes sense that they would have Trump out, then Biden has that in, and then Trump's like, I can fix this, guys, vote for me. Like, it, it, it may, like yes, if he were in, like, they would have needed to adopt the same policy to be running at this efficiency, but, like, the idea that he's not in and, you know, like, right now, it, it also makes sense to that. Like, why would they want him in at that same time when they could kind of like bring him back and say, oh, look, this is the guy that's going to fix it for you guys totally, right? Like, like trust him. Yeah, I mean, like, and, and this is sort of what I think a lot of people, like a lot of the conservative media, well, and just the media in general are completely ignoring is that like, um, you know, 40% of all U.S. dollars, like by the, Trump, by the time Trump left office, were printed in 2020 in oh, that, yeah. in that last year. Fault. Yeah, no, it was it was a China plot. To, <laughs> um, but you know, like that—that's literally insane. And so, you know, it takes a bit of time for the prices to actually start skyrocketing after um, the banks get the money first, after the government gets the money first. Um, you know, and that's what I think is so important about, um, like the Austrian school in particular, is that like they have the best and they have the most coherent. Um, analysis for for why the business cycle occurs and why we're seeing all these um you know why we're seeing constant economic collapse um no this isn't a feature of capitalism it's not a feature of like the market no this is this is a feature of states having literally all of the guns and all of the bank uh and all of the banking control <laughs> and control over literally every aspect of your life so on DeSantis being a candidate, right? Uh, we were talking about, you know, him as an option against Trump and, you know, all this and sort of like, uh, this is something you had told me that it's sort of like an option for people that may be disillusioned with Trump and actually see him as a, a part of the establishment. Could you speak some more on that? Yeah. So I think what, like we talked about before with, um, with all of these, with, with, as soon as Biden gets in office, we have like three different, you know, billing like three different people that are billing themselves with the exact same narrative we're anti-establishment biden's this government uh career politician um you know and and again ironic coming from literally literally a member of the Ken the kennedy dynasty and also from a, a billionaire financier financier but um, but well, but but also like all politicians, like our career politicians. In order to be a politician, you have to make that your career. Um, doesn't doesn't matter if this is you know a re a new job for you. While you're a politician, 
that's your career. You know, I remember so, Trump um, after he had already like, you know, not won the election. He was like, you know, I don't even like calling myself a politician. Am I really a politician? I don't think I am. Something like that. <laughs> like he's still yeah. trying to make himself seem like he's an outsider, even after being four years as president. Yeah, I know. And I think that's like what's so crazy about just politics in general is that you can, you know, like if, if you, you know, if you believe that the other side you know, other side, quote unquote, is is so crazy and wild and insane. You can, you know, you can basically just not really think about, you know, some of the logical implications of some of the things that you're saying. You know, like oh, you know, this, uh, this 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 multi-million dollar billionaire who was president for four years and, you know, who caused well, who well, who, you know, did cause because he was, you know, an agent of the government, all these other problems that we're dealing with, or at le- who at least started them, um, you know, is is still this anti-establishment rogue who, you know, is, is just a working class guy, you know, who got a small loan of a million dollars from my father or whatever, you know, um, you know, flew on the Lolita Express. Um, but but it's the same for like a lot of people is that like you can think that like oh AOC for instance was this um, totally grassroots uh, definitely not a uh, <laughs> um, definitely not a controlled uh, you know political political you know operating game definitely not a definitely not a government plant. Yeah. So you had uh, you were continuing your thoughts on DeSantis sort of being that like alternative to Trump. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're seeing all these, you know, simultaneously, like, three different candidates billing themselves as, you know, anti-establishment. Um, and I think, you know, there's a, a pretty good reason for that, because um, you essentially get three different options. Um, so, you know, for anyone who might be disillusioned with, you know, Trump, for instance, um, like, for instance, like, Trump doesn't do well among among women, for instance, as far as like voting goes, um, so you know, DeSantis because he safer destroys option. them. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a total <laughs> woman destroyer. Yo, based. Um, okay, but anyway, you know, like uh, um, neuron activation. He owns the libs. Um, but yeah, no, like a lot of people see DeSantis as a safer safer option, and it would be the same for RFK. You know, all these different candidates, they just appeal to different, you know, to different voters too. So, yeah, yeah. I think well, that's ultimately um, so, their, their role, right? Yeah, and you know, now, um, so you know, in the Trump versus DeSantis sort of like public opinion, Trump's poll numbers are actually improving while DeSantis's are dropping. So, you know, I, I know it's like, you know, he's pretty much here to kind of seem like some sort of another choice amongst all these self-proclaimed anti-establishment candidates. Uh, but would it make sense to say that he's almost just there to make Trump look better? I honestly wouldn't be shocked. Um, I, I, my guess is that DeSantis will end up being Trump's VP, like after DeSantis starts declining in the polls, because we know that Trump is, you know, going to be the pick. I mean, there are other, you know, there are other candidates, but like, as far as like who has the most mojo, who has the most confidence, um, it's clearly Trump. I mean, how he, how he builds himself. He's, he's an excellent politician. Some could say he does it for a living, you know, career. (laughs) um but i mean he's really good at it and um you know he's really good at attracting a crowd um 
he he's basically like as far as like sounding the most confident, he he's basically the Andrew Tate of politics. <laughs> you know? Based. Um <laughs> yo, based. No, um, but um yeah, my my kind of, you know, question from that is, well, you know, there have been like, you know, in in 2016 when Trump was, you know, berating all the other candidates and he was making fun of Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz was one of the ones he made fun of. And then Ted Cruz eventually just came after he lost, you know, the, the presidential race, he came to just be like a simp for Trump. Right. So, I mean, will we see that in the same way for DeSantis? Will it just kind of be like Trump's calling him right now? He's saying Rob, he just called him Rob. Like that's it. Like in, in one thing he said, um, it was literally like, this was his truth. Like his uh, tweet on truth social. He was all like, you know, Tim Scott is actually the one, the, the best announcement of the, the week. Right. Like, you know, even though his like mic got cut off during it and everything, he's like, I wouldn't pay that technician, Tim don't, or your contractor, him whatever uh he's like and then he said something about rob he's he's like rob over here is is you know doesn't even stand a chance whatever like <laughs> he's he's just calling him that and then he's also he's like ron de sanctimonious and he's all like uh i don't even know what else he calls him like whatever ron all these names like right there was one there was, i don't i don't like, think i should say this on the stream or on the video but there, <laughs> there was one where he was like you know the f word right like the like the like the the gay slur he was all like ron f like oh. you know he's like, <laughs> have you seen oh, this really? that's, have you heard about that's this so that's so funny uh, uh, let me let me read it without saying the actual word because i don't think i can say that on this video without getting canceled or maybe i'll just like bleep myself out right like i'll i'll actually i'll say it on here for you and then Dude, i'll just you don't like, get take canceled it out later. by the woke by the woke I'll, I'll take it out later i'll take it out later you, okay. you sure I shouldn't even say it and blur, blur it out? Because like it's it's for the joke. Come on, just, just I don't I don't care. Do do, do whatever you want. I... <laughs> Ron, the f it. did you hear about this? F it, Ron, they're calling him. They're calling him f it, Ron. Melania turned to me and asked Donald, "Did you call him that?" And I would never say that word. I'm too nice, right? I'm too nice. <laughs> but you're hearing it more and more. Some really incredible people. That is a that is a brilliant like that is a brilliant fucking Trump impression. <laughs> by the way, yeah, I know. I, I gotta, I gotta hand it to you. That's amazing. Anyway, but yeah, um, no, like yeah, so you, you gotta you gotta give it to the guy. The, the dude is like absolutely fucking hilarious. Like <laughs> yeah, um, like like there's he no didn't even say that. Better, yeah. You didn't even say that, and you're like, he's hilarious. Well, that well, that's like, but well, no, no, I know, but like, I'm just thinking of like his, no, his actual names for yeah. But anyway, like, but it's like you can tell him like who he is by his intonations. You know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Like that itself but, is funny. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so but yeah. <laughs> do you have any other thoughts um, on the poll went number on a thing? Um honestly not really i think oh, I yeah and also like i was saying like you know trump was i i was getting to this point and then i started saying the f word uh like <laughs> trump <laughs> trump was the one that was you know berating ted cruz and all that ted cruz you know ended up simping for him I, yeah and then we were asking if trump's insulting of desantis and we didn't really get to it after that because of me uh is it going to be something that like desantis just kind of you know forgets it and is all like okay yeah i'll, I'll be trump's running mate you know he's a very proud powerful guy and he's, he's a good influence on america yeah, honestly, that's like that. That's actually a really good point because that was something that I've been thinking about too. Is that yeah, I think like DeSantis is gonna sort of be, sort of be the Ted Cruz of you know this whole thing. There, like, there can't really you know, this town ain't big enough for the both of us. You know, yeah. one one of them's gonna one of them's gonna crumble to the pressure, and Trump's not gonna do it. So, 
I mean, he doesn't even really have a choice because he's basically the, like, he's the most known out of, you know, anyone, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, and DeSantis's demeanor has been compared to Ted Cruz, sort of like a low energy, kind of not high charisma, sort of like, you know, yeah, he's he's got these, like, um, I don't know if they were compared to Reagan, both of them, or something, like, something like that. Like, they're like the old-fashioned kind of conservatives. Yeah, for sure. And I think that he, like, he'll, he'll definitely at least crumble to basically just be Trump's VP. Like, yeah. the, like the whole campaign is just basically a, a you know, a uh, an ad gimmick, essentially. I mean, that's what it's easier for you to easier for you to get elected, even even, you know, running off the coattails of Trump for sure. These I mean, like what you say, like it's an it's an ad. Yeah, I mean, like it is like elections in general. And you agree with this. Like it's sort of just kind of like, you know, trying to promote voting to everybody over and over and harder and harder every time this is the most important election of our lifetime guys like it like i remember um you know people were saying like don't vote for kanye in 2020 like guys this is too important of an election to give it up like maybe in the future like but but trump right now we need trump and i guess what we're gonna hear again in 2024 right like we're gonna hear because in 2022 it was all like oh well you know the republicans like you know we need the republicans like even if they you know what they were going to do what they were going to do but some people were like oh maybe they're not like maga but still vote for them it's gonna be the same in 2024 it's like trump we need trump like don't vote for any of these third party guys they're gonna spoil the election you libertarians do this and that <laughs> you libertarians and like you know oh kanye you know don't vote for kanye vote for trump he needs to beat biden yeah guys but 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 guys this is like the very 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 <laughs> very most important election of our lifetimes i know last yeah. time it was the very 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 important election of our lifetimes but this time is the very 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 important election of our lifetimes. i mean didn't you hear how important it is like how very important it is come on go, um, go out so, and vote it doesn't matter who you vote for just vote we're gonna take a look at uh, desantis's federal policy once he uh if he were to get into office right like what he claims it would be right um so DeSantis wants to get rid of wokeness in the military. Wokeness in the military. He wants to get rid of it. Uh, DeSantis, who's also a veteran, said on Fox News in an interview that the military has been politicized by wokeness. That's what the term he used was. We'll get into that after we watch the video. But uh, that he also wants uh, the military to be strong because a military that is woke is, according to him, one that nobody wants to join. So, uh the idea of a woke military is actually sounding better by the day, but we're, we're going to watch this Twitter video uh, in which uh, DeSantis talks to a Fox News. I think he was like a guest host or something uh, just just to see it. We're going to review it and then we're going to get into why uh, this is the case. All right. So we're going to watch it. All right. You uh, wore the uniform. If you are elected president, you may be the first one in a while uh, to have worn the uniform. How would you address the ongoing war? in Eastern Europe between Russia and Ukraine on day one of a Ron DeSantis presidency? Well, first, I think what we need to do as a veteran is recognize that our, our military uh, has become politicized. Uh, you talk about gender ideology, there you talk is. about things like global warming that they're somehow concerned, and that's not the military that I served in. We need to return our military uh, to focusing on uh, commitment, focusing on the core values and the core mission that would be something that I could take care of on day one. Uh, there'll the be a new mission? sheriff in town as commander in chief. 
And I think you'll see recruiting start to get back to where it needs to be because people don't want to join a woke military. And, and I think it's too. been really, really problematic. Look, in terms of what's going on over in Eastern Europe, um, you know, I'd like to see a, a settlement of this. I do not want to see a wider war. I think it's completely unknowable what it will look like in January of 2025. Uh, but I would not want to see the United States with our troops uh, get enmeshed uh, in a war in Russia or in Ukraine. Yeah, so it's 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 just interesting how like he I mean, he doesn't even really answer the question. Like I mean, he he sort of answers it like near the end, yeah. but like this is this is sort of, you know, how you can tell that like um that Fox News and CNN and um all these like mainstream media outlets are also I think it's it's also really important to highlight these are all state-backed and state-controlled media outlets. Like these are not uh, independent institutions. These aren't, um, you know, the, the, these aren't challenging the state. Um, no, they're literally controlled and financed by the government. Um, and this is evidenced by um, the millions and billions of dollars of subsidies that all of them receive, including Fox News, including CNN, including the New York Times. Um, this is evidenced by the Operation Mockingbird program um, during the 60s, which revealed that you know, basically a bunch of CIA, basically the plan for that was enacted um, for a bunch of CIA agents to infiltrate the military and be a part of it. Um, uh, you can point to so many different members of the media and executives within the media um, having either direct ties with the state or literally being uh, previous like state uh, officials who essentially, you know, didn't quit being a part of the state. They just changed jobs from being yeah. within the state bureaucracy to being within the state media. Um, and I think this is like really important to highlight um, because, you know, Fox News and CNN are billed as like rival competing, you know, competing media factions, um, you know, when in reality they're both controlled by the same organization and this is also evidenced too by the fact that literally if the government didn't approve of the policies that these media outlets were uh, were engaging in and the talking points that they were you know promoting um the government could shut them down at any time they could revoke their license um so i think that i think even that alone is pretty is pretty damning evidence to show um, <clears throat> that basically all of these media outlets are um, controlled by the state. And, and my point with that, uh, going into that, is that, like, you know, the interviewer doesn't even really question the fact that, you know, Ron DeSantis doesn't even really answer the question. Um, and I think that's a really good sign to show that, um, you know, these media agents are in cahoots with the government. You know, uh, and you brought this up during your, your um, talk, I, like... I think I hate this neoliberal talking point, right? About competition in the market that, oh, you know, these companies are actually like competitors and there's because there's more than one, it's actually not a monopoly or oligopoly or any of that. It's actually like a fair competition. That's not at all like, you know, state intervene. Maybe there's a few regulations here and there or whatever. But in reality, guys, like these, this is the marketplace here. This is the market at work. Like what else could it be doing? You know, I, I hate that, you know, because it, it's, you're not getting any sort of real competition when the state's deciding who can and cannot operate as a business, as you've said. Like they can revoke it at any time. They can say, We don't like you. You don't support our goals. Like, I, if you're not working 
in this, you know, uh, I don't know how I would phrase it, I guess like our, to our technical efficiency or however you'd put it, uh, if you're not working to our end goal, then we're going to shut you down. So that it says a lot about how society is planned in general, how like businesses in, in uh, society are like they need to be working toward the state's end goal. And so like if you if you know us being enemies of the state, it's kind of like, well, that would mean every business that operates now like needs to be adding efficiency to the state to operate. Uh yeah, well at least at least the main ones controlled like the the primary businesses controlled and propped up at the white market, but this could it this would include almost nearly any other business. And that's not to say that like every business is a, you know, agent of the government, but um you know, no, but, but like it, it yeah. but it, it's like they only pick ones that are going to add to their efficiency. So therefore, it's kind of like you will never get one in the market that can challenge the goals of the state. So it's kind of like there is no such thing as actual competition. Yeah, so because like it's always the, um, picked based on that. Yeah, exactly. And this is sort of the idea of like that's being promoted in, you know, a lot of the well, uh, you know, j just go create your own tech company, you know, and, you know, and. We, we need to have the state have this Internet Bill of Rights. And um, no, we don't have like any kind of free, you know, free competitive marketplace in, mm -hmm. you know, in the social media sphere. We have like basically three companies that own pretty much most most of the social media that we're all forced to use. Um, so, you know, th there's no wonder why we're getting. And, and this is sort of the problem, too, is that like you see these giant corporations making like you see this in the video game market, particularly with like Activision, EA, um, making really consumer awful decisions, and then that's like propped up by commies as you know, like oh, oh, that's that's proof that uh, the market didn't really work, you know. But but really, um, when you actually look at okay, why you know these companies are making decisions like actively actively awful decisions um because they have this profit incentive that is true um but why are they even making these decisions how are they even in a position to make these decisions in the first place and, and you yeah, could ask and that same question through you know social media the media etc i'll give this to the you know the real like anarchist you know communists um the whole like, you know, conservative thing on the other side where they're kind of like, oh, just start your own business, you know, like whenever it comes to an issue of the market, like or not of the market, but an issue of the state controlled, you know, economy uh, that kind of like hinders the actual market from working. Uh, you'll see the conservatives just kind of pretend that it does work like perfectly fine. They'll just kind of be like, oh, you want to own the means of production? Just start your own business. Like, how could that go wrong? Like, you know, like how would that ever be stopped by the state? Like if they saw that, you know, it was actually successful within the economy, like, whoa, uh, you know, <laughs> so it, it's, it's just stupid. I mean, in general to, to think like this, but, um, I was going to get back to the whole woke military thing. <laughs> I really think like, uh, this speaks to what I was talking about last episode, right? Where I was saying the state is looking to recruit people for these institutions that are clearly declining in the amount of people joining. Even DeSantis himself is like, yeah, the military is actually like lacking recruits. Uh, and we talked about this as well with the whole defund the police thing and a problem of like possibly like with that, you know, sort of taking place as a narrative that the police were going to lose people and like, and you saw Vivek even saying like, oh, to, you know, vote by the time you're 18 or to 25, you'll actually, instead of, you know, uh, just being able to, you'll need to, either take a civics test or I think it was like if you're in 
those services, you'll actually be able to vote when you're doing that at that age. So, I mean, those are like recruitment attempts right there, I would say. Uh, and, and it seems like DeSantis is on that wave. So when it comes down to it, I'm sort of looking like, you know, what would be the purpose of the state changing the culture in its institutions, right? Because I mean, the military does promote certain woke values, right? Like, and you know, of the whole like diversity, inclusivity and equity, there are actually like, like ads from the military showing like, you know, I, I think it was like some girl with like lesbian mothers and like, she was like, an, I don't know if it was, I don't know what else, you know, categories there were. I don't know if it was like immigrant or minority or what, but like such things, right? Like to the point where people were like, oh, it's not just the two moms. Like it's other stuff on top of that. Like all these things you're trying to put together uh, to like show like, oh, how diverse we are and all that. That's our strength or something. But um, like, obviously, you know, when you see like a lot of ads like that happening and like, I, I think it was like they, uh, I think it was, you weren't allowed to use like the Gazden flag or something anymore. Something like that. I think, I, I don't know. Um, while they were also, I, I don't know, something about like gay flags. I can't even remember at this point. It's too much. But my point is, is like kind of, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that they are sort of pushing a propaganda like with it within the military. Right. I mean, like it's just happening. So my point is, if that is the thing that's declining people coming into the military, it would make sense that the state is pushing somebody that is pushing back against that or that wants to push back against that. So it seems kind of normal when you put somebody in office and then the state's all like, okay, now we're stripping wokeness away. It's like, oh, we're not as a government doing that anymore. It's just because this DeSantis meeting is in here and he's the guy that's taking away your wokeness in the military. Okay. So like, don't blame Biden or anything like that. Yeah, honestly, what we really need to do is start getting those BLM signs off of the drones that we use to bomb Syrians. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I could see your face. I That's think you were waiting to say that. But I, I actually um, want to ask you, like, do you agree that that is the purpose of the state changing the culture in its institutions? Or would you say there's another reason? No, honestly, I completely agree with that. And and actually, to, to sort of add on that point is that it's like, it's really interesting that like, you know, these people that are being billed, like on the sort of the conservative end, um, like Trump, for instance, and DeSantis being billed as like anti-war candidates, you know, and obviously we're not in favor of war, obviously, you know, um, but they're being billed as these anti-war candidates. You know, isn't it really interesting that they're being billed as this? Yet they also are wanting to prioritize not only wanting people to join it um, a lot, um, but also strengthening it, giving it more funding, increasing its size. You know, if you were such an anti-war, you know, candidate, why would you want this giant military for what purpose? You know, and and not to say that like I'm in favor of some bigger, small military policy. I'm not in favor of like policy in general. Um, but it it just goes to show that like you know and this isn't like to you know destroy your you know own conceptions of you know of you know your your foundation of who you support politically it's really just to show that like the ends that you want to seek you know you want you don't want the state bombing a bunch of brown people you don't want the state going to war in ukraine um politics and looking to like trump or desantis as the savior candidates that should be like the last place that you look to. <laughs> so we kind of got to this earlier a bit with what we were saying, but like, what does DeSantis even mean by the military is politicized? Um, well, like, cause we've used the term politicized before, um, like specifically to refer to how government propaganda gets you to essentially, um, view the state as this ideological entity, you know, this, this entity controlled by the ideological whims of the individual candidates and controlled by democracy and um, basically getting you to inculcate 
uh, political abstract narratives that benefit the state's own interest, um, rather than looking at it as a coherent, you know, technical organization for what it is. Um, but when DeSantis is referring to, you know, politicization, um, he's really just referring to um, my political entity has corrupted this otherwise um, this otherwise noble institution with all this woke SJW libcuck uh, uh, bullshit. That's yeah. essentially what he means by poli- like politicization. So he's referring to something completely different. Yeah. Um, so speaking of uh, speaking of something completely different, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of NPC behavior happening today, right? Like you'll have like, yeah, uh, you're, we're going, we're getting to that. Uh, there's a lot of people acting like they're, you know, well, they're, they're, they just sound brain dead uh, or they just sound like zombies because they are pretty much like they've been infected, not by the necessarily woke mind virus, but uh, you know, they've been uh, infected in general by the state's mind virus, which is getting to them to think this way, you know, in a, in a politicized manner. Um, so we're going to look at a couple of comments I got right on the, on the last couple of videos on the, on the last podcast we did. And then on a clip, uh, I'm just going to read them out and I, I guess we'll go one at a time on it. There's only two of them, but <laughs> I just thought it, I should tell you guys this because it, it's, it's interesting and I don't think these people are going to keep watching the show based on their comments. So it doesn't matter anyway. But anyway, the first comment, uh, says Vivek has pledged no more money to Ukraine. And then they put a caution sign uh, and said, shut down FBI, ATF, and other agencies, only restoring those functions absolutely necessary, if at all. Uh, some complain not far enough. You have to start somewhere. This isn't a vacuum. There will be fierce opposition. Is so, this guy like and, even, is, is this person, is this person a bot? Is this person a fed? Is this person like... Know, is 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 English this guy's first language? Like maybe not, you know. Go know. go back to the go back to the comment section of your own country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, we need to build a cyber wall. Yeah, exactly. Build a firewall. Um, there we go. Firewall. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't even know how to respond to that. Well, yeah, I mean, this was like this, this guy had to be on his phone, first of all, because he put a caution sign emoji unless he looked it up and then copy pasted. Uh, He, (laughs) you know, he's kind of like, you know, listing out what Vivek is saying he wants to do um, and basically saying like, oh, well, you know, this has to start somewhere. You can't just like tear it all down at once. You know, this isn't a vacuum, as he says, there will be fierce opposition. So basically, if you don't let Vivek win and do these things that he says he's going to do, then the left just wins. Uh, If you don't vote, the left is just going to win. If you don't like if you don't take any sort of political action, your enemies are going to dominate you. Oh, and this is a quote that Orrin McIntyre says. What is it? The side that wants to win will always be the beat the side that wants to be left alone. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, that's that's kind of the problem of treating like the left and, you know, the right as though they aren't like, you know, as though when you get into that position of power, you aren't like, you know, you're uh, these people, these people who want to do this thing with the state um, are the bad people. But these people want to beat the other bad people. It's like, um, no, that's not how you look at it. you know, like, like, again, you're, you're the one looking at the government in a vacuum. You're the one not analyzing how politics actually work and how the state actually operates. Yeah. And then we got another one and this one was on our uh, clip 
about the show and it was just us talking i mean on the same stuff it was it was just from the show but this is what this person commented uh kennedy or it's kennedy comma juniors work with children's health is not bs exclamation point neither are his books and neither is his lawsuits including the one helped win against monsanto if he doesn't get nominated then the presidency when digital currency that he is against get enacted then i wonder if he will be among those that will own nothing and be happy Trump didn't drain the swamp last time, so I don't believe he will this time either. Yeah, I'm pretty sure those are just CIA bots that just um, scanned for video for any video that well, had like RFK in the title. We're taking a shit on that. the CIA then. I don't care. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> get yeah. out of here, agents. Yeah, get get out of here, ATF skinwalkers. <laughs> I know where you live. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, we, like in all seriousness, we know your, we know your, uh, there, there's a really great meme actually. It's like, um, it, it's like a bunch of FBI agents sitting at a computer and the caption just reads, Hey, Phil, you want to get uh, five other guys here and upload this post with me? <laughs> Have you seen the Patriot <laughs> Front videos? Which ones? The, the, like the, the Patriot Front, the, like the guys that everybody's calling feds, like they're in masks all the time and they're like really thin. Like they're built dudes, like pretending to be um, these like like uh you know white supremacists, kind of like you know uh like just ralliers, but they're clearly feds. Like it's just kind of that's the whole thing that they're like clearly feds. But then there are people saying, oh, they want you to think they're feds, but it's like it's too obvious. Like I don't know. It either has to be guys pranking us or feds. Like it's not anything else because there's even one video where they're like Zig Heil, Zig Heil dude, and they're like, haha, that's so funny. Oh, it's still recording. Oh, let you know something like that on a video legit i'm serious like this is it, it's either the worst propaganda ever or some guys are punking us long term yeah there was a there was another <laughs> another meme um uh it, it was something to do with um like uh it was just like fbi agent posts worst bait ever and it was just some post that someone like posted on twitter um, when you, whenever you go to a protest, uh, document everything, post everything on social media, um, <laughs> you know, uh, r r uh, tell us your name, tell us X, Y, and Z. And it was just like, damn, that's, that's, that's like the FBI agent definitely got fired for that one posting the worst, uh, bait. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, these guys suck, but, uh, like, you know, and, and they're, yeah, no, they, I, they I, at least I speak English, right? I mean, ChatGPT no, yeah, can generate this kind of stuff for you. You guys should be like automating your work at this point. I'm giving you advice and I don't even want you to have it. Yeah, no, I gen I genuinely think that they're literally just bots. Like there's, there's no way. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> those were the comments I got on that video that were just odd and it, it, uh, whatever, I guess, Cringe. you know, these like, yeah. Uh, but I could, I could see real people reacting like that, you know, like people like that are on Twitter. Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure some of those people are real. Okay. So like, I think some people legit type like that and you know, they might just get it from these bots. They might just see all that, like, you know, um, all that energy coming out and then they're like, wow, I should be speaking like this. This is pretty effective. <laughs> and you, they're probably causing a chain reaction of people that are becoming zombies because they're seeing that kind of talk. And they're like, you know, this is exactly how I get my message across. Well, yeah, exactly. And you're seeing like the, this, the sort of NPC behavior that you're, you know, you brought up before, like, especially on Twitter, um, where literally like, you know, it, it is a meme, but at the end of the day, like, it is a literal phenomenon where everyone on Twitter is basically an NPC. Um, and you see this especially from the, um, like, the people who, 
I don't know, like post Trump in their bio or post uh like Kamala and Biden and their fucking oh my god, so insufferable. Like like spe- <laughs> like especially like the bi like I because I can understand the whole like the Trump uh you know the Trump guys, but yeah, but like the like the Biden Harris stuff bothers me even more just because like that's that's even more NPC. Like at yeah. least at least Trump builds himself as like an anti-establishment. Yeah, like how um, are you falling for that, right? Like how are you getting into yeah, the, exactly. the like how is that even in, like exciting to you? How are you looking at that and saying, "Yeah, I want to be a part of this." You know, this Biden Harris thing. Like this is really just getting my blood going. Like it it is amazing that like at least at least the other candidates build themselves as like, you know, anti-establishment whereas Biden's just like Nope. Yep. Nope. I'm. I'm. You know. I'm establishment. I'm. I love the political I'm, I'm, establishment. Yeah. <laughs> like li- literal NPCs that are like. I mean, even like I can understand being enthusiastic. I mean, not enthusiastic. Just you know, voting for Biden as a last resort against Trump right. sort of thing. But like the people who are like you know just all really enthusiastic about Biden and Kamala Harris, like just they're just insufferable like seeing their campaign ads and this is like yeah i can even understand those people more the ones that are just voting for them out of like quote-unquote necessity yeah but like i mean all campaign ads are insufferable like i saw the santa's ad that was insufferable that was because because like when you just understand the sheer degree of 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 like propaganda that the state essentially instills you with from birth like you literally become kind of disillusioned with everything you know to the extent like oh wow um everyone in well like literally everyone that i know um and and not to like you know say oh you're a brain dead zombie i don't think that but as far as like how you think about certain concepts like you've been taught to think about concepts a certain way literally from your birth and you were literally coerced by the government to do this you know and and people literally don't even think about it you know, it's a very it's a very narrow view that's been established to view life as these steps that have to be taken in a certain way. Like, you know, and it's not even necessarily about like just thinking, oh, the government's good. It's thinking that you have to be well, you yourself are enrolled in maybe a public school or even, you know, private or whatever. Like, right. It's typically like a government funded or government school. You're going in there. You get to high school and now it's time to go to college, you know, a state university or even state funded, you know, it's the same thing pretty much. You get this education, you go through that. And after that, you get a job at a corporation, right? With benefits and all that. And you just stay in there for however long it takes for you to retire. That are and also you, controlled in state function. Right. That are well. also controlled. And, and like, you know, the state has the ability to revoke, like we said, their, their license at any time. So obviously they're going to the whims of the state, you know, and, and throughout that you pay your taxes, you do it right. You make sure you're filing everything properly. You don't hide anything. You make sure that, you know, you're, you're buying yourself like the things you need to live, like your car or whatever. You're comfortable. You have your children that are going to do the exact same thing as you. Uh, and then you just, you know, basically go into the shadows as you retire. Maybe you're going to a government institution. You're not even staying with your family anymore. You're going to, you know, one of these retirement homes where they're, they're also, you know, involved in that sense. And then you're just going to die there in a, in a hospital or something that's, you know, uh, that the state set up as well. <laughs> Yeah, well, and, and you, you kind of bring up a really good point. It's like that, it, that oh, and this is something that like I've literally just only considers that at every stage of your life, um, it, it's sort of like the, um, that like that, that really old like Obama uh, clip 
um, where, you know, hey, uh, at every step of Susie's life, uh, the government's going to help you out X, Y, and Z. Um, but, the, but like, it, you know, that was framed as like, oh, this socialist Obama, he's this he's this authoritarian who big government guy but but no this is but like you said this is literally just you know living in a country living in a um you know a society where the state essentially has this level of involvement over literally every aspect of your life yeah, it's not just the broad stages either i mean day to day the roads you drive on the traffic lights you stop at the police yeah. on the side of the road that are making you go slower than you actually could go safely you know all of it all of it everything right it's everything and everywhere oh yeah for sure um and like you know the, like there there really is no escape from it other than you know counter-economics but um, obviously we, we've talked about that before yeah. yeah um go check out that episode because that'll actually help you get started definitely um and you know, it, it it just is like it unnerves me on the day you know that this is this is like this is the society that we you know right. that is you know and and obviously you know i'd prefer to be living here than in like the 1800s but if you look at like but but even just looking at it on a historical level, the level of prosperity that we could be having, um, you know, that is basically hindered at all levels because essentially the the state controls everything that you do, um, is insane. And again, it's not it's not just that. Oh, I, I wish I could have a better like the state's preventing me from having a better TV and a better and better milk and cookies, and the state's preventing me from having a nice car and um. No, it's that it's that the state, you know, on the regular is is essentially gearing up for uh, nuclear annihilation, um, the creation of a world-ending virus, um, the deaths of millions and billions of people. I mean, well, billions throughout set throughout uh, you know the entire like history of the globe, but still to this day, um, people dying in prisons, which are basically just labor camps um in wars um you know and like the, the 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 hundreds of thousands of deaths that are still going on in the middle east i think during the trump administration but obviously this isn't like a blaming on trump this is just basically during in 2017 or i think it was like you know um like during the trump presidency the state uh like starved hundreds of thousands of syrians in the middle east because of some you know some some geopolitical strategy to you know um for some reason i'm I'm blanking on specifically the reason doesn't matter uh you cut off the water supply of syrians and that led to the deaths of a bunch of children so you know it, it's it's not that um you know like my, my complaint against the state isn't like my my skepticism of modernity isn't that uh I don't have a nicer home or it's it's you know things are just too expensive that's honestly the nicest thing about you know the government existing the way it does and the way that it controls about your life yeah. um like you don't even like to the degree you know you say that oh yeah we have freedom um you know try to do anything without without uh approval from the goons try to try to literally to literally d try to set up a lemonade stand without it getting shut down by the FBI, you know? Um, so if they're the goons, is Congress the biggest goon cave? Stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. <laughs> 
See, okay. Well, anyway, uh, I think this is actually a good segue into your whole, um, you know, what you've introduced in this episode, basically with, tar- or, you know, sort of the wording that you've gave it now, uh, you know, technical, uh, like the state being a technical agency, basically like a technical firm, like it's, it's looking to maximize that uh, to, you know, because basically it can only be at maximum efficiency or else it's not going to sustain itself. Right. So like, I'd actually like to hear some more about that. See, you know, what you've kind of brought to the table with your readings and all that and just kind of know some more about it um yeah so I, so i mentioned alul's work a few times and he was a theorist um back during the uh the you know in, in like sort of the mid uh 20th century and um he theorized the phenomenon of what he called technique um and essentially how he defined it was um uh basically um, the totality of methods rationally arrived at and having absolute efficiency for a given stage of development in every field of human activity. And so, you know, you sort of think about what that actually means. Um, it's, it's a really broad concept, but it's essentially the idea that, like, every aspect of our existence, at least in modernity, is essentially ca- can be characterized by... Um, the most efficient and quick methods for doing things. So we look at like the simple idea of getting to work. Got to find out the most efficient way to get to work. Um, the most efficient way to conduct business. The most efficient way to um, to talk with each other. The most efficient way to construct buildings. Um, and the most efi- and basically modernity being characterized by a nest and not just like a preference among human beings but essentially it, it becoming a necessity um and this is most evidenced by we when we apply this phenomena to something like the state so you know like we mentioned before um a lot of people when they think of the state and when they think of of you know what 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 role do politicians play most people think the role that politicians play is that they have a set ideology that they want the state to do and then the people democratically elect the person, and whatever the people want the state's platform to be, that's what the that's the those are the policies that the state uh, undertakes. That's sort of the argument from it, and that's how most people are conceived to be the state. But if you look at like I'm gonna apply the phenomena of technique to you know the state, um, the state itself is a technique. Um, and essentially what that means is that the state as an organization can essentially be characterized as an enti- as a technical entity um, essentially looking for the most efficient way to run things. Um, the state needs to be as efficient as possible in order to survive. If it's not efficient, uh, the government can't survive. Uh, we talked about this with uh, tax rates, for instance. Um, but yeah, actually, I think, I think tax rates would be a really good example to highlight. Um, like there is essentially um, at any given point, the government can um, the government requires certain um, essentially there's an ideal tax rate for the government to undertake at any given time. That's gonna that's gonna one get them the most yield, uh, get them the most money, and be the most efficient for them to up to run their organization. One that doesn't you know. Uh, drain the economy too much, but one that doesn't, you know, leave so much that they actually don't have any income. Um, and, and, and at any given time, depending on the economy, 
there's an um, there's a most ideal and efficient tax rate and so so you know depending on who's the politician that you elect um what tax rate are they going to choose well they're going to choose the one that's the most efficient for the government to run you know you know and, and that makes quite a bit of sense but when you actually think about the implications of it okay well um that would actually imply that no matter who you elect um, no matter what they say the tax rate that they want the tax rate to be, it ultimately doesn't matter because what tax rate are they going to choose? The one that's most efficient for the government to run. Um, I think there was a, you know, a little quote, um, I'll, and I'll quote him a few times because I think his work is really important. Um, quote, political motivations um, no longer dominate the technical phenomena in the modern day, but rather the reverse. The state is usually unable for doctor, uh, doctrinal reasons to revolutionize the technique of public finance. But when technical progress makes this revolution mandatory, the state is obligated to capitulate. So I think, I think that's probably the best um, summation of I think the, the the point that we want to get across, um, you know, political motivations do not dominate technical phenomena, but rather the reverse. And when he's talking about, you know, technical phenomena, he's talking about, um, you know, economic efficiency, essentially. Um, the, the methods people arrive at for being an efficient, you know, organization. Um, political motivations don't determine the, you know, economic functions of the state or the economic um, necessities of the state, um, but the you know the economic necessities of the state do, um, control and dominate uh, political motivations. Yeah. So let me summarize. So I know. I know that right? was. I know no, that no, was no, like but, a lot. I know that was a lot of mouthful. But yeah. Let me summarize this. Let me put it in a, in a small you know like uh, container for people to understand this. The state, yeah. right? Like, it, like as an organization, it would make sense to say. Like if it's not being efficient, it cannot run, right? So how would it make sense to say that like something that is inefficient for it at a certain time can just be placed in and the state will just continue running, right? That doesn't make any sense, right? So the state obviously needs to do what it can in every sense to ensure for its survival that it is doing taking certain actions. It can't just be any actions. It can't just be your preferred actions. It can't just be some policy that you think will bring about freedom or, you know, whatever, whatever that means to you. Right. But it just won't happen because taking into consideration what your policy will do at a certain time is only going to, you know, is only going to pass through if the state views that as something that will benefit it. Right. If it doesn't benefit it, why would it pass through? What is the incentive there for that to be passed through? And let's assume that your policy could go through, even if it weren't efficient for the state. Well, at that point, the state's just not going to be running anymore if, it, if, it, if enough, enough, if enough of that just happens. So like, I mean, you kind of got to get it through your mind that like if the state were passing inefficient policies for itself this whole time, it just wouldn't be around today. Like it, we just wouldn't have a state. So obviously every certain action that is taken until now has been to maximize its own efficiency. Every single law that's passed has been like that. So <laughs> to get it through, like to get it through people's minds, really, it's like your pro-freedom policy, whatever, are not going through because at, at that event, if that were to happen, the state would not be able to continue existing. <laughs> well, actually, that's a really good point because there, there are actually, um, because people tend to use this as like an argument, um, like, like we talked about before about, okay, um, you know, to, to sort of get people to understand this this sort of phenomena, um, you know, why do policies never really change or never really differ 
you know, drastically depending on the administration, um, or if they do change depending on the administration. So let's say, you know, the Trump administration does something, and then after Biden's president, a couple of months after Biden's president, something within the state's policy changes. Now, a lot of people will, would attribute that policy change to, oh, Biden got in office, the policy changed. That's because Biden's own ideological beliefs changed the policy. But if you look at it from a technical standpoint and from looking at politicians as technical as technical agents, um, you can see that no, that that you know the the reason why that policy changed that was just a coincidence. The fact that there was a change in administration doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, why the state decided to make that change in policy um, was out of technical necessity. And at the end of the day, that's what the state is. It's a it's a technical. Uh, firm and a technical organization. And my point with that, though, is that, like, you can see this most clearly with um, policies that are very consistent throughout all governments and all states, no matter what ideas they, you know, whatever theories of government they propose, um, you know, they propose that they are bound by. Um, this would be inflationary policies, um, money printer go burr for the layman, um, uh, never-ending wars in the Middle East. Uh, this is most, this is most like evident, you know, through, um, you know, war, uh, us being in the Middle East through the Biden administration, through the uh, Trump administration, through the Obama administration, and through the Bush administration. You know, this this would imply that you know that ideology isn't the basis for how the state runs. And a lot of people will try to backtrack and say, oh, well, that's just because of the two-party system. Well, again, like we pointed out, is that um, parties have nothing to do with, with how the state runs at the end of the day. Um, and, and I guess sort of my point with that, though, is that um, you can point to all these things that the state has to consistently do, no matter who is in office. Um, and there are things that the state does that might seem, you know, libertarian. So, for instance, um, maybe let's say the state goes in like with, with Reagan. Reagan would be a great example. Uh, Reagan goes in, um, you know, deregulates a lot of these industries, uh, lowers tax rates in certain spaces. Um, you know, oh, that's, uh, you know, that's the state allowing, that's the state ideologically becoming more freer. Um, well, no, actually, what lowering tax rates is, um, is specifically a an economic efficiency goal. So, like, so for instance, um, you know, we say the state needs taxes to fund itself, but the state can't just, you know, grab, 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 plunder, plunder, plunder all the time. Um, sometimes it needs to hold back. Sometimes the vampire needs to let the supply um, fill up again and, and become more efficient and let the economy um, run on efficiency mode a bit more. That way they can actually collect more revenue. And this is evidenced by like the Lafferker, for instance. So why does the state choose to slightly lower tax rates? Well, so the state can collect more revenue either to, and that's what exactly what like for instance ronald reagan did um you know lowering tax rates so the government could collect more revenue that they can further use to oppress you basically um and use it to expand the military expand the police force um and and even potentially expand its bureaucracy so it can more easily tax you later you know right. have you ever thought so about that let me let me get on another point here because I already know what the counterpoint to this is going to be. You know, you're going to have some libertarians that are like, well, uh, you know, if it actually were the case that passing this legislation would be harmful to the state, you know, why don't why does why isn't that even more of a case for why we should do it? Well, 
the reason for that is that it's not going to pass. You know, why would an organization with such incentives thinking that like this is necessary for its survival, allow those things to be passed? Why would it let just like, oh, yeah, we'll let elections like, you know, be a thing in which we can put people in that are actually going to change how this thing operates. That would be catastrophic to the state. Right. I mean, like based if true, but it's not. It's it's not. Yeah, true. So like. Yeah, no, but my point with that is, is like you, you would really think like, how would you really think? I, and I, this is something that you're instilled with, like, you know, by the state that you can just go in and change it. But like, why would you think being critical of the state's very nature, think that you can go in and just say like, oh yeah, this legislation actually can just be passed with all these power, like, you know, power in structures and incentives and, and levels of leverage. How do you think that you're going to pass this? <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, at a given stage of, of the state's, you know, development in the economy, um, you know, sometimes uh, a higher tax rate is really efficient for the state because they can, you know, collect a bunch of, you know, a bunch of money from the people. Um, you know, sometimes they actually need a lower tax rate to collect more revenue. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes going into the Middle East is really efficient. You know, sometimes if they're starved on troops, like we're seeing with the military, sometimes pulling out of the Middle East might be more efficient, you know? Sometimes mm. not going into war might be more efficient for the state. Um, sometimes, um, you know, deregulating might be more efficient for the state to run. Uh, sometimes decriminalizing certain things might make the state more efficient, you know? Um, maybe, like, so for instance, um, like a lot of people see, oh, well, decriminalization of marijuana, you know, might be good. And this is actually a really important thing because it's, um, it's sort of applying um, Henry Hazlitt's idea of the seen and the unseen, um, or Frederick Bastiat, if you want to go old school. But um, like, like a good example, at least with regards to like Aus the Austrian school, would be um, like suppose the state, um, like suppose like uh, it's 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 the broken window fallacy, basically. Um, suppose a, a kid throws a ball in a baker shop. Um, everyone ga gathers around the baker shop. And looks and looks at the broken window and says, you know, this is this is a act of violence. But look at all the business that that created for the glacier. You know, the glacier has all this business now, right? Um, that's the scene, right? A new job just created. A new job was just created in the you know in the glass making sector. Um, but was what was unseen is the um, is the you know a hundred dollars that that person, the glacier or the uh, the baker, um, just lost to go buy a new a new suit, right? Now the suit making industry has less, uh, is less efficient and less, um, and just lost money, right? Um, so really when you're destroying resources, n yeah, you, you see that job being created, but in total, there actually isn't, there actually is a net loss there. Um, and if you apply that actually to the concept of, of, you know, of, of deregulation, for instance, um, or, or sorry, of decriminalization, right? What's seen is all the people that the state's no longer arresting for, you know, supposed, um, you know, supposed, you know, victimless crimes or whatever for drug crimes for, you know, having a dime bag of marijuana. Um, but what's unseen is why the state's doing that. So, for instance, maybe the state, um, you know, can't fund its prisons properly. Maybe the state's, you know, needs to run budget budget cuts on its prisons, right? So now the state. Uh, runs those budget cuts, uh, shrinks the prisons, less people are getting arrested, but now they have more income to not only sustain themselves longer, but further oppress you and uh, maybe uh, expand its bureaucracy in other areas.
Okay. So so maybe so maybe for instance, like the scene is the prison population being reduced. Awesome. The unseen is this other sector of the state that just massively expanded. Like the schools just got more expansive, for instance. Okay. So so, so really thing... so really like so really just just my final point and I'll I'll be done. <laughs> um just um you know, so a lot of libertarians see, oh, well, deregulation is a path towards liberty. Well, no, you're actually focusing only on the scene. Um, you're not focusing on the unseen. Yeah, that that's it. So I want, I, yeah, well, I wanted to go on to, you know, what other, uh, well, what more uh, politicized, you know, libertarians are, are saying, right? Um you know, a little bit back on RFK as well, right? We're talking about Robert F. Kennedy, sort of like the reactions to his uh, campaign. Uh, and, you know, Dave Smith had him in on his show. And I even saw uh, like, you know, you know, well, we've seen like a lot of conservatives saying like, oh, he's like the, you know, he's, he's good for a Democrat. Why can't other Democrats be like this? And like uh, some LP members like are maybe shifting a little bit toward him seeing like, you know, oh, the LP is not viable, but RFK, this guy, he's pretty good. Uh, so Reed Coverdale, uh, said on Twitter, I saw this just last night, he was saying that RFK like is the best candidate in his opinion. Uh, and at the same time, he's also going to vote for Trump. Like that's going to be his actual vote because he sees it as a troll that'll piss people off. And like Reed, the thing about him, like he had released a sub stack where he was talking about politics and he was all like, you know, I, I needed to take a break from all this stuff. It was really like, you know, I didn't like how much it was in my mind, like around the midterms with New Hampshire and all that and, you know, so on. So I decided to just go back to work and I had you know, a great time. Like it was, it was really, you know, it helped me mentally and all that. It's like, man, why can't you just go to that? Why do you have to be focused on politics like this? Like I, you clearly, it's not good for you. Like uh, based on that article you wrote and I actually liked it. I thought it was, you know, really good. Like, you know, you going back and doing something that you enjoy, you know, but here, you know, you are saying like, oh, I'm going to vote for Trump and all that. Why does that matter? Why does it matter that you're going to vote for Trump? Like, why would you? I, I don't, you know, is it really that big of a deal for Trump to be president again? I don't know. But Dave Smith also ranked the major party candidates. And he said that um, in order, he basically ranked them as RFK, Trump, DeSantis, Biden. Those were his major candidate picks from <laughs> uh, like top to bottom. Um yeah, I, I don't know, man. I mean, like, obviously, Dave Smith's on another level of this stuff, you know, like, as far as how much he's focused on politics. But uh, any thoughts he, on he that? Used, he, used, he used the word freedom in his speech. That may, that must mean that he's going to yeah, make you more free. He did say that. He did say freedom. I mean, hey, he did say that he was going to, you know, make you freer. So I guess you got to vote for him. I guess that means he definitely is telling the truth. That's how that's how politics works. And meanwhile, you know, with the classical liberal caucus, I actually saw uh, Joshua Equal talk about how he's he he actually said this the other day. He's like, you know who I'd vote for in a heartbeat? Gary Johnson and Bill Weld. Does, does anyone really take the classical liberal caucus seriously anymore? Is that I like just a thing? see them on Twitter? It's funny. It's funny to look at. Yeah, it, it's just it's just retard. Garrett, fight. I think you have a friend that takes the classical liberal caucus seriously. Do I? Who? I think you know a guy. Do I? Think I? You Wait, know, I think we am, both am know a guy. I think we both know a guy. Wait, who takes the classical liberal caucus seriously? I'm better. I'm, I'm actually... better than the Mises caucus. Oh, is it? Is it justice? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, justice. If you're watching this, um, no, they're both retarded equally. <laughs> Well, actually, yeah. actually, I mean, I'd, I'd well, say the Mises caucus is worse, but like, but, but either way, it, it's, it's, I mean, that's just a personal judgment doesn't really matter because they're both LP shills and they think politics is how the state works. Yeah. 
See, but I yeah, used I to think, like um, Mises Caucus. I thought they were less cringe. Yeah. Because the classical oh, liberal caucus, man, like at least I, like if I look at the Mises Caucus's Twitter, like I, I'm not going to feel the same emotions I feel looking at the classical liberal caucus. It's just another level of cringe, honestly. Like Mises Caucus, I'm, I'm sort of indifferent to at this point. Yeah, it's like you get like different levels of cringe. So you get like the paleo cringe and then from like the Mises uh, caucus and then you get like the like the democracy shields from the, uh, yeah, you yeah. know, I, classical it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. <sighs> well, I, I am frankly, you know, just disappointed in everybody today. Yeah, for sure. That's it. Um, That's I, it. I think. I think to probably. I, I don't know if you were planning on like ending it soon, but as far as like discussion, uh, I did want to uh, cite a few, like end it with a few quotes from Little's book, The Technological Society, um, where he sort of details technique and sort of explains, um, in in really good fashion, why um, sort sort of some of the points that I've been trying to bring across. So, yeah, um, sure. we'll, we'll we'll do we'll do two two big quotes um actually wait let me just make sure um uh yeah yeah i I, I have have two good quotes um so basically quote um the state since it applies these methods where necessary can itself no longer be anything other than technical persons who become panic-stricken before such, such administrative proliferation and aggrandizement of state activities who criticize Social Security, for example, because it employs too many social uh, civil servants, who hold that a return to liberalism would suppress the proliferation, show thereby that they have not understood the development of, the mo- of modern times. No deliberate choice on the part of the state, no theoretical decision has brought about this growth of technique. Its causes were independent of the personal or collective. The modern state can no more be a state without techniques than a businessman could be a businessman without the telephone or the automobile. A businessman does not employ um, employ these these objects because he's particularly enamored of progress. The state does not employ propaganda or planning because it is socialist. The circumstances are such that the state cannot be other than it is. Not only does it need techniques, but techniques need it. It is not a matter of chance nor a matter of conscious will. Rather, it is an urgency which expresses itself in the growth of technical of the technical apparatus around another and slight another slight and feeble brain. Um, the motive force uh, behind the state does not develop in proportion to the state apparatus. Um, the the motive force uh, the motive force is man. Um, so I think the you know I think that just really highlights the idea of of you know, oh, I want this social security, pro- like, I want social security to be repealed. I want these programs to be repealed. Um, you know, th- they won't ever be repealed because the state ultimately is this technical organ. Um, nothing can be, you know, the state can't be other, anything other than it is and what it requires. Um, so, and that completely just shatters the notion that, um, you know, you can elect politicians, um you know, to perform certain actions that you personally want or that are, you know, somehow bound to like ideology, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, it it also kind of like sounds a little bit like the point I was saying, like when he says it can't be anything other than it is uh, that, you know, it, uh, the state has to be what it is because it's running at this efficiency. Like if it were anything else, like it really wouldn't be able to subsist. Right. Exactly. It's like, um, you know, saying that the state can't, you know, 
uh, run efficiently or can't, you know, is, is subject to ideology, um, you know, it, it's sort of like saying, you know, the businessman can, you know, run a business without employing, um, you know, what's what's technically efficacious for the business, you know? Mm-hmm. So right. say, is, at, at the end of the day, the state is simply just a business. And its business yeah. is aggressing against everyone and controlling every aspect of society and everyone's lives, you know. And I do think that's a good um, way to, to put it because you're you're thinking about you know, <laughs> like as a business, what does a business need to survive? If you apply that to the state, which I, I like, I don't see why you wouldn't because you kind of have to as a, as a firm. But like, it makes a lot more sense, I think, to the mind when it when it views it that way. Yeah, basically, the state is like if Jeff Bezos, uh, if basically. All the power and money that Jeff Bezos had, but like if Jeff, like you could see, you could see the pro, like, like Marxists and even like anyone could see the problem. Okay, uh, give Jeff Bezos the infinite money printer, um, and give Jeff Bezos all the guns. Like, what do you think is going to happen? That's basically what the state is. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's just it's just a giant corporation that has all the guns, all of the um, uh, all of the money, um, and controls what's right and wrong and if if, yeah, they, if you if and basically if if they if they steal from you and rob from you and you know jail you that's fine but if you know if a mugger does it it's wrong and i think the mugger doing it wrong is is also wrong um i just think the state's also in the wrong yeah if you want to keep all the money in the guns the question isn't at that point oh how am i gonna you know make society view what I think is right as right or wrong as wrong. Like, you know, personally, it's how am I going to maintain the money in the guns? Yeah, for sure. And and that's why I think like the Austrian school has really good, like, and that's why I think like other schools of thought that aren't Austrian or aren't Austro libertarian um, have a severe lacking of like understanding of the state because um, um, at the end of the day, like what we pointed out is that basically the state is what would happen if uh, a central bank had a giant army. It's just a, it's just a giant army and a bank. That's it. Yeah. How does the how does the um you know uh how does the how does the bank come into being? Well, the military um monopol well the military collaborates with the bank to monopolize the money supply and force everyone trading um around a single a single monopoly fiat money. Um, that's exactly how a tax scheme is able to even function in the first place. Mm-hmm. So that what you read there was the first quote. <clears throat> um, yeah, and then the second quote, I think okay. that it's it's a really good um, way to um, way to close that thing. Um, quote. <clears throat> it's a bit of a long quote, so I'm gonna. <clears throat> um, quote. When the expert has has effectively performed his task of pointing out the necessity. The, the necessary ways and means, there's generally only one logical and admissible solution. The politician will then find himself oblig- obliged to choose between the technician solution, which is the only reasonable one, and other solutions, which he can indeed try out as, at his own peril, but which are not reasonable. At such a moment, the politician is gambling with his responsibility, since there are since there are such since fuck, um, since there are such great cha- great chances of a, of miscarriage if he adopts technically deviant solutions, in fact, the politician no longer has any real choice. Decision follows automatically from preparatory technical labors. Consequently, 
the opposition between technician politicians places the politician squarely before uh, squarely before a truly decisive dilemma. Either the politician will remain what he is in a democracy, in which case his role is faded, uh, is faded to become less and less important in comparison to the role of technicians of all sorts, a state of affairs already evident in the financial sphere, or the politician will take the road of political technique, in which case the crisis of adaptation will will inevitably will inevitably arise. If the politician really wishes to continue to exist, he must choose the second solution as the only possible one. The existence of techniques in all other spheres forces him to this choice. Even so, little by little, he is being stripped of any real power and is reduced to the role of a figurehead. So I think like that really, just the idea I think really encapsulates um, sort of this notion that you know, yeah, at the end of the day, um, politicians are really just technicians, and they're really just, just figureheads, essentially. Um, they're not, you know, their own, their own, you know, the way that they tell you how politics works um, is essentially just, uh, you know, political speak at the end of the day, you know? Yeah, that reminds me of the, I was trying to find it, but the the Mencken quote where he basically says like, uh, like the end part, especially where he's saying that, you know, for a politician to even get near high office, he has to make so many compromises that he essentially becomes indistinguishable from a streetwalker, which is, you know, a prostitute. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and this is sort of like sort of harving back is like that politicians can enter office with the, you know, best of intentions and the best of, of you know, wants for what policies they want to undertake, but ultimately the actual, when the actual decisions, when they're right, when they're at that decision desk, what influences their decision is whatever is beneficial for the state. And that could be something that aligns with their platform or something that contradicts it. And that's why we see, you know, most politicians promises not even going by the, the wayside. Um, And again, keep in mind too, is that politicians making these promises in the first place they can only make they they're only making those promises because they think that when they get into office, um, you know, they're going to be able to carry them out. That's why most politicians don't make promises like, "Yeah, we're going to abolish every single agency. We're going to abolish the military." Well, their their promises, "We're going to lower the marginal tax rate by three point five percent." You know, that's that's why they're you know that's, that's mostly why their platforms aren't really radical or interesting. You know. I do think uh, H.L. Mencken is actually a really good one for a lot of this, you know, when it comes to like criticizing politicians and I mean, you know, even the state itself. Like I, I remember I was reading just a lot of quotes from him, honestly, uh, back when I was like really getting into anarchism. And I I actually thought he had like a lot of solid points that I think if I were to refer back to them and probably even just read a lot of his writing, I think would actually align with a lot of what we say. Um, But I, you know. Really good conversation today, Garen. Uh, I, I enjoyed, you know, yeah. having this these dis, the, like these discussions. If anything, you know, both of these episodes were really good. We kind of shied away a bit from talking a lot about DeSantis, but what is there really to talk about beyond what we said? Like, I don't care about talking about every last policy idea he has that he, you know, like I think we've displayed pretty well in this episode that a lot of it's BS, and like we we don't really like necessarily care, like you know, who who wins the election or whatever. We're just here to analyze from a from our perspective, like to say like here's why they're saying what they're saying. Here's who in the who's in the race and why they're in the race but it's kind of like obvious for that one uh and then also sort of like you know 
you know, what does the state have to gain from all of this? And that's pretty much what we say here. So I like if you're if you're against that, I mean, I guess you're a little pro political or whatever, but, you know, you better not be a CIA bot, at least engage in some good discussion with us. And, you know, maybe you'll change your mind on it. Uh, but yeah, Garen, I would like to know what's happening with your channel. Any updates on that? <laughs> Um, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I plan to, once I upload my first video, um, I'm still working on it. I don't know when that's going to be exactly, um, you know, as always, but um, it's becoming really, really long. Um, but definitely, I might actually start streaming before then, before nice. I actually upload, because just because the, um, like the videos, it, it's going to take so long. Um, yeah. I don't know yet, um, but probably I'll be having guests on to talk about things um and yeah um the uh the, the progress on the videos uh going really well and um hopefully that'll be up sometime i can't promise when but um definitely subscribe to the channel keep your notifications open for any kind of content whether that be uh streaming um or any kind of uh videos i i, I really want to get per byland on um oh, dude, to talk about so cool. yeah no um because i know i know nate the mutualist he's he's a i, I know him um, he he managed to get per byline basically just by reaching out to him on Twitter. So wow, he seems like a pretty easy person to get on. So I want to have him on to talk about. I'll have to keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, yeah, if if you want to reach out to him, I'm sure he'd probably come on here. That's pretty good. I could send him, you know, evidence of of us talking in this way, and he'll be all like, "Oh wow, that's pretty based. I gotta come on." <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, just to talk about economics and stuff, and I think his his takes on agorism are pretty great too. He's he's an agorist as well, so he's he's very he's anti political, and he he at least understands you know sort of the the stuff that we've talked about here, at least yeah. on a surface level for sure. Well, very based, based indeed. And remember, guys, you know, like, comment, share the show, all that, you know, comment anything you have, your hate comments, all that, unless you're a CIA bot at that, which point, if you do comment, you're probably going to get criticized by me. I'm definitely going to, you know, crap all over you. Uh, but <laughs> aside from that, uh, we will engage in actual discussion with the rest of you guys. Just the other ones just get roasted. But remember that civil offense is the key to winning. Thank you.